Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Tara Bowen-Biggs, and I have a very special guest joining me, Trailblazers TV analyst Lamar Hurd. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am honored to join you, Tara. <laughs> well, Rip City really missed you and Kevin Calabro last night. Wow. With the National Network's covering round two of the playoffs. Yeah. We were really, you know, sad that we couldn't hear your commentary. What did you guys do last night? Did you, like, still have to watch the game together because you can't be separated? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. We can be separated. Uh, Kevin was actually up in Seattle. Uh, He still has a home there, and he was with his wife. They were watching a game there, and I was actually watching a game with my wife. And uh, we, we definitely missed being a part of it. This is the first time since we've been Blazers broadcasters that the team has advanced to the second round of the playoffs. So this is new for us as well. Um, We definitely wish we could be a part of the action, especially considering how exciting round one went and how exciting I think round two will be with two evenly matched teams. Uh, But we're enjoying it. We're enjoying it from afar, getting a chance to snack, eat some popcorn, some some desserts and uh, just have a good time and watch the game. <laughs> well, you make the most of it. Uh, well, so now's your chance. I, if you had anything you wanted to talk about last night while you were watching the game, I would love to hear what, so what are some of the things that you saw? Well, the Blazers had a lot of unforced turnovers, which all the players and the coaching staff would tell you. And some people have asked, well, is that because of all the rest that they had between series one and series two? And I've said, hey, I've been a part of games where they've had that same situation and they didn't have all that rest. It's just a part of basketball. Sometimes that happens. And so I I expect them to be able to control that, chop that down a little bit in game two. And really, when you move from one game to the next and you talk about making adjustments or changes, you want it to be things that you can control rather than having to look at film and say Denver was doing things that we as the Blazers – have no control over. Um, We almost have to hope something goes differently. That wasn't the case with what took place in that game. So I still feel very positive. I was encouraged by the game um, because the Blazers can uh, keep a lot of things kind of in their hands, under their control. Now, Nikola Jokic is everybody has seen. Uh, He's a tough guy to stop. But I don't think this series is so much about stopping him as much as it is about the Blazers being able to match Denver offensively. Denver reminds me a lot of the New Orleans Pelicans from last year. And I don't say that to say that I expect the Blazers to get swept or even lose the series, but I'm saying that Denver poses a lot of the same problems as New Orleans, where you have a big man for New Orleans, it's Anthony Davis for Denver. It's Jokic who you can play around, who can dribble the ball, who can shoot it, who can post up. Uh, who defensively has improved. He's not Anthony Davis defensively, but he has improved, and he does a better job in the pick and roll. But specifically offensively, they can put four people around Jokic the same way New Orleans could around Anthony Davis and become very difficult to defend. 
uh, and you can scout all day long and you know what's going to take place, but they have some really capable guys. So I think less than going into games, trying to figure out how to stop certain people, I think the Blazers got to put that pressure on the Nuggets and make them feel like, how do we stop Portland? I got a couple of players that I'm wondering how they could uh, increase that pressure. One of them is C.J. McCollum. The last game, he started yeah. off great, man. It was like he was going to have buckets for the whole game, and then it, it dropped yeah. off. Do you have any observations about what happened there or, and how he might get back offensively? I, I don't think that there's any observation as to what happened, as though like Denver took something away or C.J. wasn't doing something that he normally does. I think that was just, again – just the flow of of the game, flow of basketball. Sometimes he'll score 16, sometimes he'll score 35. Um, I, I, I do believe that CJ and Damian as a tandem, they made the Blazers special in round one against OKC where they were, to me, clearly the better backcourt combination with Damian being the best player in the series. And you always feel good whenever those two are an elite tandem. So I do think that uh, that will have to come back around in games two through the end of the series. Uh, but I don't think that there was anything specifically that Denver was doing to stop them. So that's another reason I feel encouraged going into game two and beyond is that I know CJ will have the opportunity to be the elite guard. We know him to be uh, and the, the guy that he was in round one versus Oklahoma City. So you're just thinking, just keep shooting, CJ. Oh, just keep shooting. Just, just keep, keep shooting. shooting. I mean, it was all it was good shots. If you're taking good shots, that that's what you do. The yeah. team is built around Damian and him, and uh, it's his responsibility, uh, one that he gladly accepts, to continue shooting. So he's got to keep doing it. Uh, uh, one last question about last night's game about a couple more shooters. Uh, during the first round, Maurice Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu just, you know, played, they played great. They were good on defense. They both had some really nice offensive nights. A lot quieter last night. They only took seven shots between the two of them. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you think might be going on? Well, it was definitely a tough night for those two. And th- they don't have to necessarily score double digits or. Uh, you know, there's not a certain number that they have to get to in the scoring column, but you do want them to be respected just so that the court spacing is is available. Uh, You want them to be threats. And I think it got to a point last night where Denver maybe didn't consider them threats to the level uh, that they can be. And the same way I've talked about CJ and Damien, what they did in round one to make the Blazers special, Chief and Mo did a whole lot of stuff offensively to make the Blazers special. So they will have to contribute more, but I I do think it's less about getting to a certain number and it's more about taking the right shots at the right time, which I give those guys all the credit in the world because to play on a team where the offense isn't necessarily built around you and you have to be opportunistic in your chances. And sometimes uh, you, you might not get a shot for a few minutes at a time. And then the shots that you do get, you're expected to make. Otherwise, the narrative is going to be, well, if these guys would make shots, then the team will win because the guards are making shots. That's really difficult. That's, that's, that's a lot to bear. And I think that those guys have done it well all season long. And uh, because they've been in this position before where maybe they've had a bad game, teams maybe invite them to attack rather than allowing Damian and CJ. And in this situation, even Ennis. Uh, you know, normally it's Nurk when he's healthy. Um, since they've been in this position before, I, I do have faith in them to respond. 
Right on. Yeah, I think that they're going to come back. I mean, they just they were just clicking on you know all gears with the uh, in that first round, and I'm pretty sure I, yeah. I feel like they're going to get it back. If you had to guess, you know, a lot of people have said this is going to be a seven game series, a six or a seven game series. If you had to guess, do you think this is going to be one of those ones where um, you know it's just going to come down to home court advantage? Uh, home court advantage could be the deciding factor, especially because Denver best home record in the league only seven losses i believe it was during the regular season so they 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 have a distinct home court advantage um i i don't know i mean i don't know what it will come down to because i do believe the blazers can win and so whether that's going to a game six and winning it at home or going to a game seven and kind of betting on damian lillard his leadership versus the young maybe inexperienced leadership of denver uh, I'm, I'm going to feel good siding with Damian and, and crew in that situation. So I, I do expect it to be a long series. And some of it is, is pending health. Ennis right now is fighting through that shoulder injury. Uh, you hope that thing doesn't get worse. But if somehow it did, as we saw him grimace after he dunked in game one just last night, hmm. uh, you know, that, that, that could change the complexion of the series really quickly because now you're just – you're you're limiting your depth. Uh, you're limiting the guy who was taking the place for Nurk. So uh, it's fragile. Everything is fragile right now. Um, and I just know it's going to be exciting. No matter how many games this thing goes, you got two high-powered offensive teams. There'll be a lot of threes. There'll be dunks. And, and this is what you want to see in the playoffs. Man, Cantor is just so tough. I am so impressed yeah. how tough that guy, that guy is. He is tough. I'm with you. Well, okay, with one you on last that. question before I let you go. I want to yeah. hear your reaction to the shot. Tell me <laughs> what went, what was going through your mind and how you felt about it. This is, the, of course, Game 5, Game Winner by Damian Lillard. Yeah, I may have to take a few extra minutes to answer this one. Um, it was just special. It was the most incredible sports moment I've been a part of. And it's not just because of the shot. I've, I've told people, I've said this over and over, it's it's the context going into that series. I had multiple conversations with Damian um, away from the basketball court just about how he views leadership, how he, view, how he views responsibilities of franchise leaders to carry themselves, to uh, inspire others, and things of that nature. And to see all of that play out through the entire series – uh, was very special, but then to see the end of that game in Game Five, when uh, you 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 felt like at least I did, I felt like something almost magical was going to happen once he got that ball, and after the the stop, the great defense from Chief on Westbrook, and as he's dribbling up the court, you know it's just it, you, it's the feeling of it is only right in what feels like has turned into a movie now for the good guy to come out on top. And I truly felt like that was going to happen, but I had no clue, no idea. I would have never guessed it ever that he was going to pull up from 37 feet. And when there were about five seconds, four seconds on the clock, and he was still dribbling the ball around half court, I, I had no idea what, I just didn't know what to think because I'm standing up. First of all, as this is taking place, I'm calling a game with my headset on, but I'm standing up because I just know a moment is coming. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm like a lot of the crowd thinking, Dave, go, you gotta, you gotta do something. You got Paul George on you. You gotta get some separation. 
he, he leads the NBA in steals per game at a little bit over two. He has length. If you don't get separation, he's going to block it or tip it. And then when he went to that side dribble, it was so quick. And that was the first moment in that last 10 seconds that I felt like, okay, he's got a little bit of room to breathe. And then the ball goes up. And as it's up, even though this is all happening in a short amount of time, like all these thoughts are just running through my head. I'm thinking, wait, 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 that's, that's far. That's really far where you decided to shoot that shot from. And the ball's in the air, and I'm watching the ball and the rim, and you try to track it. And sometimes as shooters, you do this. Some shooters, they shoot it, and they stare directly at the rim, and they never lose sight of the rim. Some shooters track the ball in the air and follow it to the rim. A lot of times people will tell you the right way is to follow the rim directly, but there's been great shooters in history who have done it either way. And so I'm going from the ball to the rim, and at first it looks like it's not going to make it all the way to the rim. And then like mid-flight, it's like, oh, this this is going to go, oh, my gosh, it went in. You know, it all it all went from that to that, uh, that fast. And it was just, the, the even the aftermath, immediately after CJ, after all the team celebrated, CJ somehow made his way over to where we were, and he said he just got a 50-piece from 40 feet. And I said, I know. I was like, CJ, have you ever seen anything like this? He's like, no. He's like, that is the coldest thing I've ever seen. And I felt the same way. And then Nurk, who shows up unannounced, you know, on the bench, is just walking around with no crutches like like nothing happened. And he comes over to our side, and he gave me a hug. And um, our producer, and they, they wanted to get him on the headset. And I asked Nurk if he was okay with it. And he said, yeah. So we put him on the headset. And he's doing a post-game interview. The whole thing, it just became a circus. It was this unbelievable circus. And I, Tara, could not even leave the arena until about two hours after the game. And I've never stayed after a game that long. Normally, I am long gone. Um, but I just could not leave. I was just talking to Damien's family, uh, his trainer, um, just everybody. And, you know, they all shared similar sentiment as Rip City, where they were, they were amazed but they also knew that this was going to take place because they had all those same conversations that I was telling you about prior to the series ever starting about where Damien's mindset was and what he planned to do. So they were not shocked by his special performance, but just the shot specifically, we were all taken aback by that shot, not because we don't believe he can make it, but you just don't see that every day where a guy ends a series on a 50 piece from 37 feet. It was incredible. We are so lucky. We are so lucky that Damian Lillard is the heart and soul of the team. We're lucky that we have guys like you and Kevin Calabro calling the game Aww. and, you know, bringing it to life for all of us who are watching it from home. I want to thank you so much for joining me tonight. I want to make sure you get on to your next thing because your time is tight. So thank you once again. You are welcome to come back anytime. We would love to have you okay. come back. <laughs> all right well thank you very much i appreciate it and, and all the best to you